You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series on Old Testament characters, now exploring the character of Ishmael. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. This is Old Testament Premium Podcast number 8 on Ishmael. Before I begin the lesson, I suppose I could share a little bit of news. I've just returned from uh, a message up at Harvard University. I spoke in the Science Center. I used to have five part-time jobs while I was doing my master's degree. None was massive in terms of work hours, but I needed the money. And it was, uh, it was fun to be back in that building. I used to clean the historical, uh, the scientific instruments. They wouldn't let me actually do anything that was dangerous. I was just using a vacuum cleaner and, and uh, you know, dusting and things like that. But, uh, and I have to admit, back then, this was uh, 1981, my heart wasn't really in that particular part-time job. But uh, eventually I moved on. I, um, I w- it was fun to be back. The, the campus group that invited me booked a pretty big hall. And uh, there, there was a good number of people there, 450. And the topic is one of my favorites, which is, can you trust the biblical manuscripts? How have they been copied? Uh, the story of the Dead Sea Scrolls, the New Testament record. And uh, it's very visual and very encouraging. And uh, uh, people came from Connecticut, Connecticut from uh, western Massachusetts, um, all over the Boston area. There are a couple hundred Harvard University students and professors there. And that's fun. I, I like that kind of stuff. Uh, I'll be in Nashville uh, this particular weekend, and then uh, soon after, I've got a trip in South America. So it's usually a mixture of domestic and international, more international than U.S., but U.S. travel is okay. Anyway, enough rabbiting on. Let's begin this podcast. I record the podcast every week. I work hard to carefully study the characters and, and to make sure... Oh, I don't, I don't think I achieve total objectivity by any means, but I try hard to make sure that my insights into these people are, are accurate. I use different Bible versions, and if ever there's a question about the words, I check it against the original Hebrew. Normally, these recordings are carried out in my deluxe studio. Oh, uh, that's our closet. And uh, the clothes are hanging in front of me and behind me, and perhaps that makes the sound better. I don't know. But at least it's quiet in case the telephone rings. When it comes to the biblical characters, some are certainly better known than others. Ishmael is one of the lesser known ones. And in this series, we'll, we'll skip over most of the minor characters, a few exceptions. Definitely an exception for Ishmael. Ishmael is not the only Ishmael in the Bible. For example, if you see Jeremiah 41, you'll see Ishmael the assassin. Uh, but he's certainly, the Ishmael of Genesis is certainly the, the best known. Who is he? Well, as we've seen uh, or listened in uh, an earlier podcast, he's the son of Hagar. He's the son of Abraham. Hagar was uh, the maidservant of Sarah, and uh, Abraham basically took her as a wife, uh, kind of a level two secondary concubine. And in chapter 16 of Genesis, uh, we, we see Ishmael is born, and in chapter 17, he's circumcised. And, and Abraham's very close to this boy. His name, Ishmael, Ishmael means God hears. And, of course, there's a symbolism which is in the passage. I want to begin right now simply reading in Genesis 16. Then the angel of the Lord said to Hagar, You must go back to your mistress and submit to her mistreatment. Those are encouraging words. The angel of the Lord also said to her, 
I will greatly multiply your offspring, and there will be too many to count. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, You have conceived and will have a son. You will name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your cry of affliction. Now, once again, the Hebrew Ishmael means God hears. And most of the names in Genesis are symbolic. They have an actual uh, meaning in Hebrew, or they sound like another word in Hebrew. And either way, uh, they have a, a strong symbolic value. I continue. This man will be like a wild ass. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him. He will live at odds with all his brothers. As we will see in the course of this podcast, uh, he wasn't always at odds with all of his brothers, but that was a general description. So she named the Lord who spoke to her, the God who sees, for she said, Have I really seen here the one who sees me? And that is why she named the spring a well of the living one who sees me. It is located between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave birth to Abram's son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son Hagar had. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. So this is Abraham's firstborn. In terms of the promise, as we saw earlier uh, in our lesson on Isaac, Isaac is the, is the firstborn. In fact, he's the only son. Uh, when God tells Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, he says, take your son, you know, your only son whom you love. Well, of course, Ishmael was another son, but he wasn't his son in terms of the promise. Chapter 17, verse 20. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will certainly bless him. I will make him fruitful and will multiply him greatly. He will father 12 tribal leaders and I will make him into a great nation. And so while the promises attached to Isaac... There are other guarantees or promises, maybe promises with a, a lowercase p, that attach to Ishmael. And then in Genesis seventeen twenty three, Abraham was 99 years old when the flesh of his foreskin was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13 years old when the flesh of his foreskin was circumcised. On that day, that same day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised. A good father-son activity. Okay, we fast forward to chapter 21. Now Isaac is being born, and Isaac is at least two or three years old because he's weaned. And that means that, uh, because uh, Abraham was a hundred, that, that means at the time that Isaac was born, that means that Ishmael now is a teenager, uh, probably around 15 or so. And I'm going to read in Genesis 21.8. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. Now Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, mocking. Therefore, she said to Abraham, Drive out this maid and her son, for the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. And the matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son. Well, we, saw, we uh, listened in the earlier podcast on Sarah. Sarah wasn't necessarily too nice to, uh, to Hagar, and she seemed to, I don't know, Hagar pushed her hot buttons. She, she got jealous and... Uh, just one day, Ishmael, who, you know, you've got to understand, Isaac is two or three. That means Ishmael is 15 or 16 or something like that. And he's mocking, not just playing with the boy, but he's making fun. And, and, and this, um, this really bothers Sarah. And she tells Abraham that they've got to go. You know, it's, it's, it's them or me, you know. And it says the matter distressed Abraham greatly because Abraham really loved Ishmael. But I think if we, if we omit, uh, well, if we don't really notice that, if that doesn't register, we're going to miss uh, a very important aspect of this account. 
But God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed because the lad and your maid. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her. For through Isaac your descendants shall be named. And of the son of the maid I have made, I will make a nation also because he is your descendant. So, in other words, although Ishmael is not a son of the promise, he is still special. God cares. And a great nation will come from him. So Abraham rose early in the morning. And all, these, all the reading I'm doing is, uh, here is from the New American Standard. Uh, he rose early in the morning, took a bread and a skin of water, and gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder, and gave her the boy and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water in the skin was used up, and she left the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him, about a bow shot away, for she said, Do not let me see the boy die. And she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the lad crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him by the hand. I will make a great nation of him. And then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. Basically, they're dehydrated. They're just, they're exhausted. Maybe they were in such despair. Uh, They're weakened. They just need water. And God, it says, God was with the lad, and he grew. And he lived in the wilderness and became an archer. And he lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Genesis 21, verses 8 to 21. And so we see that Ishmael is, in a way, looking away from the land of promise, and by implication, looking away from the promises themselves. He takes a wife from Egypt, and he becomes an archer and lives in the wilderness of Paran. The next glimpse we have of Ishmael, this minor character of the Bible, is in chapter 25. And um, I'm going to read verses 7 to 10. This is the length of Abraham's life, 175 years. He took his last breath and died at a ripe old age, old and contented, and he was gathered to his people. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre and the field of Ephron, son of Zohar, the Hittite. This was the field that Abraham bought from the Hittites. Abraham was buried there with his wife, Sarah. It's a very moving passage. Abraham, we read earlier, bought the first, uh, well, he got the title to the first piece of real estate in the promised land, and it's a tomb. Well, it's it's a field with a cave, and he buries his wife there. Now Abraham dies, and as so often happens when there's a death of a family member, the, the sons come together, and it says that Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave. The Bible records nothing about what words they may have exchanged, uh, how they greeted each other. I like to imagine the reunion, even if it was short, uh, was similar to that between Jacob and Esau, which we'll cover in a future podcast, which was very moving indeed. Anyway, I'm touched. My heart is touched when I see Isaac and Ishmael coming together to bury the father. Maybe it's because um, I've lost my father. I think probably many of you listening to this are in that kind of a position. And uh, when I mention Jacob and Esau coming together uh, to to bury their father, Isaac, that actually is, uh, that appears in Genesis 35, 29. Don't worry. All these are in the notes that are uh, come with every podcast. So after Abraham's death... God blessed his son Isaac, who lived near 
So Isaac gets the blessing here. And let me just read a couple more verses. These um, are the family records of Abraham's son Ishmael, whom Hagar the Egyptian, Sarah's slave, bore to Abraham. These are the names of Ishmael's sons. Their names, according to the family records, are Nebaiot, Ishmael's firstborn, then Kedar, Abdel, Mibsa, Mishma, Duma, Masa, Hadatma, Jetur, Nafesh, and Kedma. Now, many of these names, actually, we, we encounter again in the Old Testament. We'll recognize the names of the people or the tribal groups. And um, so this is the story of Ishmael. It says, in fact, he, he lived 137. He took his last breath and died and was gathered to his people. Ishmael, driven away, excluded from the promises. What did he do wrong? Now, it's easy to, in hindsight, I'd say, well, he... He married an Egyptian. He married outside the people of God. Well, you could accuse him of that if you want, but remember that Abraham, in essence, married an Egyptian when he took Hagar, uh, the maidservant of of, uh, Sarah, uh, to be his wife. Well, uh, he was a, it says he was a wild donkey of a man. His hand was against his brothers. Well, a lot of the men of faith in the Bible have an unpleasant side to them. I mean, David does. Uh, I think you can make your own list. But to just say, well, he didn't deserve to be a son of the promise. Look at his behavior and attitudes. I think that's making a classic mistake. That's making a mistake that, that Genesis is actually arguing against. Because Genesis portrays the recipients of God's promises not always in the best light, not always as worthy in any way of the promises. Ultimately, God chose Isaac and not Ishmael because of his sovereign will. He wasn't based on merit. God, uh, very often in Genesis, chooses not the firstborn, the technical, technically firstborn son. He chooses the second. He chooses one of the younger sons. Uh, for example, in, in the family of Jesse, uh, in 1 Samuel 16, it's the youngest son who was anointed to be the king. That's David, not his older brothers like Eliab, the tall one. So God, I think we could say, rejoices in inverting the order. And often the first will be last, or in this case, the second will be first, and the first will be second. But you get, you get the idea. Ishmael, driven away, excluded from the promises. And as we saw, all this was in accord with God's will. How it happened, how Sarah drove Hagar out the second time, and her uh, son Ishmael. That may not have been very nice. I don't think it was. But it was all actually part of God's plan. And for that reason, God is able to tell Abraham, go with the flow here. Now, we have one more passage to read. And it's a passage about Ishmael that appears in the New Testament. And that's in the book of Galatians. let, Let me read here. And this is in Galatians 4. Verse 21, tell me, you who want to be under the law, don't you hear the law? For it is written that Abram had two sons, one by a slave and the other by a free woman. But the one by the slave was born according to the flesh, while the one by the free woman was born as the result of the promise. I should probably pause here. In Galatians and Romans, flesh doesn't mean your actual flesh, your physical flesh of your body. Uh, flesh, nor does flesh really mean uh, sensual activity. 
it's not so much about sensuality. Flesh in Galatians and Romans refers to our human tendency to take the law into our own hands, to try to achieve uh, what God has already promised us by our own efforts. There's no greater exemplar of this tendency than Jacob, who we'll look at a little bit later on. But the flesh is... and, and see. Uh, Ishmael was born by the flesh in that Hagar, the whole pregnancy of Hagar, was a shortcut. It, it, it came from a lack of faith on the part of Sarah and Abraham. If they had trusted God, it, it wouldn't have been necessary. Now, of course, God knew they'd do it because he's all-knowing. And he had plans and, and he would bring some good out of it. But Ishmael was born according to the flesh, while Isaac was born according to the promise. There was no question about that. They couldn't uh, achieve the birth of Isaac. And when, you know, when Sarah's 90 and Abraham's 100, I think the story is very clear. Flesh, promise. These things are illustrations, for the women represent the two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai and bears children into slavery, that is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren woman who does not give birth. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate are many more numerous than those of the woman who has a husband. Now, ironically here, the Jewish law is not connected with Abraham, Isaac, or Sarah, but with Hagar. In Paul's analogy, the, the law, the law of Moses, is not connected with Isaac, the son of promise, but here it's connected with Hagar. Now, Paul's not uh, speaking against the law. He doesn't deprecate the law, only its misuse. Uh, in, he speaks quite highly of the law, not only in uh, Galatians, but in Romans. But the Jerusalem above is the one connected with Isaac. There are two Jerusalems, in essence. There's a physical and a spiritual. And we see the symbolic development of this idea in Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, and Revelation 21, 2, and 10. So there's a, an analogy being made here between flesh and promise, between Ishmael and Isaac, between Judaism and, I would say, Christianity, but it's not. It's, it's really Jewish Christianity. Remember, please, the early church is built on a Jewish foundation. Um, virtually all the leaders are Jewish. And so... Uh, the, the thought of the uh, Christians was not that a Jew had to quit Judaism. He didn't have to convert to Christianity. It was that if he accepted the promises of his own faith and his own scriptures, then he would follow Jesus, the Messiah. He would be no longer just a Jew, but he would be a Jewish Christian, a Jewish believer. I hope that makes sense. There's a Jerusalem above, Jerusalem below. Now you brothers, as I continue, Galatians 3.28, now, um, uh, Galatians 4.28, now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as then the child according to the flesh persecuted the one according to the spirit, so also now. But what does the scripture say? Throw out the slave and her son, for the son of the slave will never inherit with the son of the free woman. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free women. Free woman. Now, I have to continue to read one more verse. Remember, the, the chapter numbers are artificial. They're put in there in the Middle Ages. So I'm going to read the first verse of chapter 5. Christ has liberated us into freedom. 
Therefore, stand firm and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. In other words, there's grace in the covenant. We've got to resist the tendency to embrace a do-it-yourself religion or we scrabble and scramble and uh, scamper up <laughs> the, the corporate ladder uh, doing all we can to uh, reach the, the things that God has already promised us anyway. Christ has liberated us. He's set us free from this, this yoke. And we need to understand the difference between uh, God's promises and our own propensity to try to make it happen ourselves. This is not to say we shouldn't work hard as uh, believers. No, we should work very hard, but we must learn the lessons that Abraham and, and Sarah were only really just beginning to learn um, in their family. Grace is in the covenant. Now, um, I have some ideas in, this, um, in the notes for further study, and extra-biblically, you may want to look at the Quran and their view of, of Ishmael, um, Ismail in Arabic, which is uh, pretty interesting. And, uh, in fact, the, the Muslim tradition is that Ishmael was the one sacrificed, or nearly sacrificed, um, on Mount Moriah, the reference to Genesis 22, the Quran doesn't actually say that Ishmael was the one, nor does it say Isaac was the one. It's, uh, it's actually ambiguous if you read it. But you may, some of you may want to pursue the, the notion, uh, you know, the teaching of uh, Ishmael, the teaching about Ishmael in the Quran. And so I've given you some references there. I've given you as normal the key verses. But what I want to proceed to now are the things that we learn about God. Now, following that, uh, there's a lesson for children. Uh, but things that we learn about God. First, God often reverses the order of things. In the Bible, and especially in Genesis, the younger supplants the older, receiving the blessing that otherwise would be his. Second, many people, many Christians, and in fact, this just came up last week. Someone said, well, if God doesn't hear the prayers of sinners, how, you know, how... What's the point of them praying to God if they're not saved already? Well, who says God doesn't hear the prayers of sinners? Now, I know John 9.31, that was the comment of the crowd, or the, the really more the Pharisees against the blind man Jesus healed. But who's to say God doesn't hear the prayers of those who are outside the covenant people of God? He's not equally obligated to answer the prayers, but who's to say he doesn't hear them? Oh, yes, there's Psalm 66.18, sin can be a block. If we claim to have faith and we live hypocritically, um, as Isaiah 59 shows us, 59, really the whole chapter in context, uh, God will have difficulty hearing. But then Matthew 7, 7 says, seek and you'll find. And it says, ask and it will be given to you. And so for someone who's seeking God, who's looking for a relation with God and, and who prays, it's nonsensical to say God doesn't care about him. There's no relationship. Truth is, God has a relationship with every human being. Now, that doesn't mean it's a saved relationship. In the same way, I have a relationship with my children, my son and my two daughters. Well, I know a lot of other people too. If a stranger, maybe someone in the neighborhood, walks up and says, uh, uh, could, would you allow me to move your car? Could I have the car keys? I'd like to um, create some space here. <laughs> uh, I could say yes. If my son says, could I have the car keys? I'm far more likely to say yes. You see, it's not that I would 
not he- of course I'd, I'd hear what someone else said. Whether I would uh, say yes to the request is another issue. God hears the request of every human on the planet. Of course, he's, it's part of his omniscience. Does he hear the sense of answering? Does he uh, say yes to our request? Well, well no, he, he doesn't even say yes to the request of all believers. And for non-believers, it, it would really depend. I think we have to get out of our mind, if we're thinking in such a black and white manner, this idea that God simply doesn't hear those outside his covenant. This is a huge lesson in the Bible, that God cares for those outside his covenant people. His covenant people, after all, are chosen to minister to those who are outside the covenant. Israel as a nation was chosen and given a priestly mission. This is Exodus 19. In the book of Genesis, we saw earlier, as we looked at Melchizedek, an intimation that this man, who was a priest and a king and really a a type or almost like a representative of Jesus Christ, was in a right right relationship with God, even though he was outside the covenant people. There are many other great verses, Amos 9-7, Jonah 4-11, and you may even want to listen to the whole lesson I recorded in Foundations for Faith Old Testament Survey. So what is the point here? God cares for those who are outside his covenant people. So first, he often reverses the order of things. Secondly, sure, he hears the prayers of sinners. Third, he cares for those outside his covenant people. And four, and last, if God did not overlook his promises to Ishmael, remember the promise that Ishmael would become the father of 12 tribes? If he didn't overlook the promise to Ishmael, how much less will he renege on his promises to the chosen people. So that, that is intended to uh, enlarge our horizons to understand how big and magnanimous our Lord is. He made promises to Ishmael even though Ishmael was outside the covenant people of God. So for one, God loves all people. And we need to not be a provincial, insular, uh, bigoted, but be as magnanimous as the Lord is as if that were possible, but you understand what I'm saying. We've got to be like Jesus Christ. And if he cares that much for Ishmael, how much more does he care for Isaac? How much more does he care for the people of covenant? If you're enjoying these podcasts and you'd like to make a comment, or if you have any questions that you would like to write in, please write to me at my blog spot. And the address is www.jacobiblogs.com. And when I get enough of those questions, I'll I'll post a response or maybe I'll even record a supplementary podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's teaching on Ishmael. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.